Hello and welcome to Room Escape Divas, your podcast on everything escape rooms. This week, I am very excited to be joined by Leah Wheatholter, who has created, uh, who is from Workman Forensics and who's created the investigation game. Woo-hoo! Oh, I'm so happy to be here. Yay! I'm, I'm happy to be here. My name is Errol. I'm Amanda, and this is the first time uh, we are breaking our hiatus, basically, I think. Uh, We haven't, we've been taking a break. I didn't even do sound check. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you okay. Oh, good, good, good. Okay, we're Oh, yeah. Oh, that sounds way better. Yeah, that's much better. Okay, Okay. sorry about that. Yeah. At any rate, uh, so I'm really excited that this is the podcast that we're going to be breaking our hiatus with. Uh, Is your ring light on? Oh, okay. Does it look like it's not? Oh, no, I, I guess so. Mine looks just brighter. Maybe it's because of the backlight there. I turned it down, yeah. Okay, that's okay. fine. We're all good. I okay. guess we should have talked about all this, but I was too excited about all you these were things. very excited. About Leah. Sorry about that. There, I turned it because up. So I, I promised I'd be good because this is like a very, you know, professional podcast. <laughs> I was like, we have a shorter time, so you can't like. Oh right! Oh, yeah, that's I'm... right. You weren't going to invite me because we didn't have a long time, and we knew that <laughs> this would happen. Would be like this. <laughs> yeah. At any rate, welcome, Leah. Thank you for joining us today. Yeah, I'm super pumped to be here. Like for real. <laughs> awesome. Look, that's like a cow in your background. Did you paint yeah. that? No, my sister did. Oh, cool. Yeah. My wife likes painting, and she also loves cows. I'm surprised she hasn't painted a cow now that I've seen that. You'll have to show her this one. I th- I think so because she absolutely adores cows. That has nothing to do. <laughs> nothing to do. <laughs> so but that's okay. I'm gonna give a little bit of, uh, of a background here. So the reason that Leah w- is here today is because. Um, I'm currently in, uh, as I've mentioned on this podcast before, I'm currently in the forensic accounting program at uh, Seneca College here in Toronto. And uh, while I was at one of our meetups, I was mentioning like, you know, forensic accounting is cool and there should be a game on it. And then somebody in our meetup said, oh, like this one and like plopped in a link to uh, something called the investigation game, which was a game based around forensic accounting and I got very excited uh, and immediately checked it out and uh, so then we got talking and of course um, you know I, I before I go any further uh, Leah how about you introduce yourself uh, who you are and what inspired you to make this game yeah so I own a forensic accounting fraud investigation practice in Tulsa Oklahoma And uh, I've owned Workman Forensics for the last 10 and a half years. I started it. Workman is my maiden name, actually. That's where the name came from. And uh, I actually got into this field because as an undergrad and grad student, I had the opportunity to work for the FBI as a student trainee. And so I worked under a forensic accountant for two years. And then I went into public accounting and did the whole good, you know, be a good accountant and go into public accounting thing. So I prepped taxes. But while I was there... They started getting more forensic accounting type cases and they said, oh, Leah worked for the FBI. She can work these. <laughs> totally different. <Of> course, yeah. <laughs> like, not the same at all. Uh, and so I started working these cases and I worked um, uh, a bunch like for some tribes. We have a lot of uh, 
tribal land in Oklahoma. And so lots of tribes, their headquarters are here. And so I worked several of those. And then uh, I worked a $3.5 million bank fraud. Anyway, I ended up working like these really kind of big cases, but I was still prepping tax returns. So I decided this is not what I want to do with my life, like basically having a busy season all year long. So a headhunter could not find a job for me because like my favorite job was at 21 years old. So he, you know, working for the FBI. And so he said, well, why don't you just start your own practice? I was a certified fraud examiner, still am. And he said, why don't you just start your own business? And so uh, I was living really cheap at the time. And I was like, yeah, what's the worst that happens? I go like be a controller somewhere if this doesn't work. So I started Workman Forensics and we only work these types of investigations. And so I actually had the idea of what is now the investigation game, gosh, like seven or eight years ago. And only I saw it more like a, at the time, it was more like a, uh, like a murder mystery type <laughs> setup, like not a murder mystery dinner, but kind of that idea, but you would actually like work fraud cases. Then fast forward, I started playing more. My husband and I got into tabletop gaming. And so we started doing that. And of course, getting into escape rooms, which is why I like listen to your podcast. Um, but anyway, so I started getting more into that. And a friend of mine said, I can, you know, I can probably build this game for you. And so I actually got it out for the people watching. We made an actual literal card game called The Case of the Man Cave. And it's an actual like, um, yeah, an actual tabletop card game. And um, it's similar if any of your, if you guys or any of your listeners are into board games, it's kind of similar to time stories I've been told. There's some of those mechanics, but I mean, there's a lot of really fun mechanics in the game. But in this, you work a multi-million dollar embezzlement from an oil and gas company. And um, it's super fun. And then of course, COVID hit and uh, we were like all ramped up because we I built this like several years ago. It kind of just took a while to catch on. I had all these things booked for 2020 and then COVID happened. So I know. So all those things got canceled. And so we just kind of, you know, I've got a staff, there's six of us. And I just said, okay. And our lead senior data analyst can like program too. She's amazing. And so I was like, what can we build online? And like, what platforms can we use to like turn this around? We had schools that wanted us to come and like, they still Mm -hmm. needed us to do our thing, but we couldn't because we couldn't come in, go in person. So we converted case of the man cave to online, which we learned it's like way too complicated for that. So we've changed that, but then we built another one, which is what uh, Amanda played. And um, it's called case of the cash flow fiasco. And that one was actually built um, for this, you know, online platform instead of converting a card game to online. And, uh, and that one I think feels a little more like an escape room, a little more like an online escape room. So Mm -hmm. not quite, but it's closer. So anyway, and then I'm just a huge fan of escape rooms. And so when my assistant told me that Amanda had called and she told me who it was, I like screamed in the office. I was like, what? I listened to this podcast. What are you talking about? Believe me, that was not the response I was expecting to hear. Can we call you Agent Weed Holder? That'd be amazing. No. I don't know. It's like you used to work for the FBI. I wanted to like interrupt yeah. you, but I yeah, no. know that we don't have enough time. <laughs> no, I, I, I am a private investigator, but I was not an agent with the FBI. So oh. technically I'm not an agent. So like weed holder PI. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is the thing. That is true. That, that is cool. 
That's very cool. That is very cool. So, so you got into escape rooms, and from what, uh, from what your, oh gosh, is it? Sorry, I have a Alicia. I was going to call yeah. her Allison for a moment. Uh, oh, too many Allisons in my life, but Alicia, who helped design the game, I believe, uh, let me know that one of the things that might have inspired you was going to uh, professional development conferences, oh. and <laughs> and uh, not particularly having fun at them and trying to think of another way. Um, do you want like, do you want to explain a little bit more about that or just, you know, how, so how like conferences for accountants and they're not particularly fun. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, In case anybody that. out there wants to know. <laughs> well, I, I personally think that if you're going to be an accountant, most like the most fun you're going to have as an accountant, in my opinion, completely biased is to be in forensic accounting, to be a forensic accountant. And so I was like going to these conferences, even for like fraud examiners and it wasn't very engaging or they're like teaching a bunch of theory and not how to actually investigate. And so that did inspire this because I mean, I was, when I started my business, I had some experience, but I mean, I don't know. I was like figuring it out as I went along and so once we we started developing something that we now call our data sleuth process, like we trademarked the term data sleuth, but it's using um, data analytics and data analysis within fraud investigations and forensic accounting. So once we started getting that process, I, I really wanted to make sure we were sharing that in all of our games. But if we can put it in like this entertaining way and mm-hmm. people can learn more and so whenever we hire, whenever I hire someone, I have them play the games and it's really helpful because then whenever they go work an actual case and, you know, I, I would get feedback like, oh, this is like in case of the man cave when this happens. Mm-hmm. And so that was really cool. Like it does definitely connect those really important, like, I want to say tangible, but like tangible skills to cases, like connects the theory to the practical application. So it's almost like. You know, you are teaching investigative techniques through like an apprenticeship that because they are learning it uh, through a game, which sounds really awesome. Yeah, yeah. I, I will say that is something that actually very much helped me. And I, I really enjoy my classes, but you're right. They are very much theory based apart from like assignments that you're, you know, you have to do and that kind of thing. Uh, but so doing this game yes it suddenly started clicking the synapses together of like oh okay so this is what it looks like when you're actually discovering it and uh this is how you looked at the pattern one thing i did enjoy at the end of your game was that you went through your ideal way to solve the case so that you could kind of compare um how somebody i didn't do all the things you did in your spreadsheet i don't think but i it was like kind of like close and and that was kind of a, a neat thing as well, so that you could kind of compare, like, you know, what you could have done or what uh, maybe what you even did better. Who knows? Yeah. Um, so so that, I that can also imagine, well. by the way, that this is not a game that just any of the public can play. <laughs> this is for a particular. I was going to ask about that. So I um, I know that you're that you're not marketing this just to accountants. So how how has it been to get general public to play usually with this game case of the man cave is probably the most intimidating but the one that we have on our website that anyone can go and play uh which is the one you played manda the 
cash flow fiasco. I really think anyone can play it because in my opinion and my and like we kind of just hold this opinion fraud investigations is really just about logic. That's really all it is. There's some like technical components, sure, like where was this recorded and what does that tell us and stuff like that, but when you're just trying to decide how much money is missing, it's really just logic. And so that's why what we try to emphasize and how we set up the games too, that like Alicia is our creative producer and does not have any accounting background at all, but yet she can go and she can play these games and have a good time and learn something new and connect dots and get really excited. You know, whenever she makes a connection, especially if an accountant doesn't, uh, she gets really, she's really proud of herself then. Um, but really just emphasizing that we can solve problems and find out how much money is missing if we apply logic. So um, now does everybody believe me? So that like just the general public is going out and buying this (laughs) game. No, (laughs) let's be honest, but they should. It's, I don't know. I, but once, you know, I I think it's good to know about cash flow. I think it's a generally good concept to know about, you know? Yeah. What risks exist if your customers don't have money a lot. (laughs) A lot of fraud risks. Lots of fraud risks. Um, you you mentioned like logic as you know yeah like it's it's basic logic. But when it, when comparing like things like escape games and and forensic accounting, for instance, um, what sort of overlaps do you see with those two genres? I see overlaps, but I, I can I'd love to hear your take on it as well. I think that's I think it is the overlap that made me love escape rooms so much. Is um, and, and really contrasting it to like the old idea, I, I would say it's old now, but murder mystery dinners yes. is like the ability to see patterns within the games within a, within a room and kind of figure out, I mean, everybody has just a pattern. I think the designers of a game have a pattern. And so identifying that pattern in the room to see how to solve it best. Um, I think that that's probably the, the, the thing that I like the most that I've been able to translate from my experience as an investigator. And I'll tell you that when something isn't logical, and I've heard you guys talk about some of this, maybe not in these words, but when something is not logical in a room where it doesn't even make sense that it's in the room, like I didn't get out of a room recently because of this. And I got so mad that I actually emailed the owner. Like I don't do these things, but I was so mad. To like let it go, Leah. It's I like, worked for the FBI, so let me tell you something. I'm a private inge- investigator. Yeah. PI. Yeah. You know, I'm really intrigued by this murder mystery thing. If you ever run an event where you actually have to interview people of a company, kind of like fake, and you need an NPC, like an well, actor that needs to be a wild person. That that's that's one I of the things not. learning it in school, NPC. at least interview techniques and like Whoa, uh, interviewing. Someone suspects. has to interview me. That'd be so fun. That would that should be the ultimate test. I think. I think I mentioned that in one of our. Meetings. Oh, I'll be a lying person, lying tax cheater. Because <laughs> <laughs> no. one of the one of the goals in interviewing not. is to make sure they stay on topic. So I'm like, for that, I feel like you would be the ultimate test for that. Um. <laughs> Everybody would fail. <laughs> yeah. Reminds me, have you ever seen, there's a See, Korean drama called <laughs> Chief Kim, which is about accounting, about an accountant yep. finding, yeah. finding a, uh, probably tax for, sorry, account. Uh, I learned about things like paper companies and, how people like corporate people will try to hide 
money and shift it around. Anyway, that's what this, it's a fun show. It makes accounting exciting. It's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) So that's sort of on topic. It is. That is sort of on topic. Um, So when designing the game, like what were some of the fun aspects to designing it? Well, I think probably the most fun part for me was just laying out the story and the strategy and then I liked coming in at the end and seeing how it all fit together. The card game itself got a bit detailed for me. And I know that sounds weird coming from a forensic accountant, but it got a little, it got a little, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm just like in this point in my career where I'm like, okay, let me come up with the idea. I'll test it. I'll help review it. I'll give you more ideas. And then like, let me see when it's finished um, because it got really brutal, but no, that was super fun. And like seeing, you know, cause I'm the one that has the stories from working. I mean, I've worked like, at least 200 fraud cases in my career or some type of investigation. And so being able to take one of those stories and like make fictionalize it and then see how it turns out in a game. And yeah, that was another cool aspect of it was that at the end you reveal the inspiration from the real story, from the real case and, and kind of give facts about how the real case panned out. That was, that was cool. So it's like, you know, watching CSI or murder shows that are all based on real things because they need inspiration, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> and designing a game is hard. So I can understand. Like when you get into the minutia of trying to get the game out, even if it's not on, you know, only sadly only 20% is the fun part. And then it's a lot of grueling work. So it's not easy. I hear you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I basically reviewed it to make sure that every element was enforcing something that was common in the real world. So if we wanted to put some sort of red herring in case of the man cave, I wanted it to be a real red herring, not just something like fun, you know, like one of your podcasts, and this is an old podcast episode, but I keep this in mind where there was like a bunch of shredded paper and it was just red, red herring. Yeah. I will never forget that. And so it's like, okay, I cannot have a bunch of shredded paper in one of my games, you know, or that, that like yeah. <laughs> that picture in my head, if it is that, time-consuming, where you're just wasting a bunch of time on something and not progressing the story, then I'm, I'm not going to include it. Yeah. So an example of a real red herring in a case, then, would that be something like a hypothesis that you develop that you kind of chase down and, and realize, oops, that's that's not actually the answer? Yeah. So um, one of the things we emphasize is best evidence that's across all of our trainings. So, you know, a, a lot of times accountants want to say, well, I want to investigate this case because um, using the, sorry, this is going to be a little technical, but the, it's, mm-hmm. so accountants will say, I want to use what's in the system, in the general ledger, in the accounting system to run my investigation. But that's not best evidence because if your subject controls that accounting system, then, and you're relying on it, you're not going to get the whole story. So you have to go a step further and say, okay, what is actually my best data source? What's my best evidence? And that night, you know, the majority of our cases, that's going to be bank or credit card statements that you get directly from the bank. And so when you're playing, especially case of man cave, I'm talking about that one a lot, but when you're playing that one, you really have a bunch of those options, like we're emphasizing best evidence, but it's still interesting because people will still choose to go down the uh, accounting software path because that's what they're so familiar with. Uh, and then, you know, and you can work the whole case doing that. You just won't win. <laughs> oh. So I, I can imagine too, oh. right. That because in an escape room, you don't normally want to have red herrings because you don't want to mislead the player because it's a game. However, in this case, 
you are investigating fraud and the person who's making the fraud, the fraud is the red herring. And you have to find out what they're lying about, I would assume, because... Well, I guess in an investigation, they, too, they're going to do everything in their power to can. make sure you go down the wrong path. Yeah, um, no, which makes sense, because yeah. you, are, you are investigating them. Yeah. <laughs> and so what, what's the biggest takeaway you've gotten from the games and the design process so far, uh, uh, you know, either through designing it or through seeing um, how players have reacted to it? So one of my favorite stories of the in-person case of the man cave card game is when uh, it was, uh, I think it was still our beta test version. So it did not look as pretty and it didn't have a nice website. It was pretty clunky, but we, and we were just presenting anywhere that would like let us do it for free. Like just let us test it out. So this local chapter of CPAs decided that they wanted us to come, but they didn't tell their members that it was going to be a game. And so there's like 50 people at this event, at least, at least, if not more. And they don't tell their members. And a lot of their members were semi-retired or retired. And so they're, you know, my uh, project manager at the time is doing the presentation piece. I'm getting the game set up. And I mean, there were people who were like mad whenever we said, okay, this is how this game's going to work. I mean, because they had no idea it was going to be a game. And a lot of people, I don't, Aaron might not know this or any some of your listeners, but whenever you go to these conferences, a lot of people just like work during the presentations. So the <laughs> fact that they had to stop working and play a game was like making them so mad. I mean, f- at least 50 people, you know, maybe it was maybe 75. I don't know. It was a lot. So we divide them all up. It's already a clunky game. We've got, we had to put computers everywhere. And now you don't need computers, but like we set all this up. And um, so, you know, you have kind of your early adopters or people who are naturally like, okay, I'll give this a try. So they start playing, but we had a few people that just stood at the back wall with their arms crossed (laughs) and like, they're kind of watching what's happening, but like, they're going to stand there for 65 minutes, you know, like they are not going to play this game by the time they got to like, I don't know, it's done in phases. So by the time they got to the third phase, those people are like leaning in. And then by the end, like by the last phase, they're like bossing other tables around telling them what to do. So it just like, by the end of the thing, they're like, Oh, this is cool. So I think it, for me, a lot of the feedback is like, there's quite a bit of resistance sometimes telling an entire group that you're going to play a game. Cause you tell us we're going to play a game. Sweet. We're all in, we're game people. But you tell an entire room and just the realization that not everyone would want to play a game, that was a little (laughs) shocking. Um, But once they start playing, people are like, this is really cool. This is fun. So so we've had really positive feedback. After going virtual, that has definitely been a learning curve because uh, not only do you have people who don't really care for playing games, but then you add technology on top of that. Yeah. I'm ready to go back to in person real soon. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, yeah, I bet. I would hope that it's been like a year. People should be used to online. Even my sister is now relatively used to online. Relatively. Yeah. Although we once kind of sprung it on her. Okay, it's gonna be in Google Hangouts. What? What? Oh that no. Was that, that, was, that was a hilarious time. Uh, that was yeah. poor my poor sister. Just like click this, just click this link. Then do I do anything else? 
No, I don't think you have to, but we'll, <laughs> we'll find out. <laughs> now, to be fair, sometimes the Google Hangouts annoys me. But anyway, yes. that's a that's another story. That's but no, another that sounds cool. I can imagine too when I'm at meetings at work. Good thing my workmates aren't listening to this. But you know, it's like I will just start working because there's part of the presentation that doesn't deal with me, and so I. I mean, who well. who doesn't work during work meetings? Sometimes yeah, I'm I like hearing someone talk, and I'm checking my emails at the same time. And, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, but I'm glad that people are. I mean, it's interesting too because you know you find out that you have to solve that case, and you know. Uh, that sounds fun. I would do it. That's exciting. Well, but you're right. We are gamers. So, of course, we would do that. <laughs> right. Do you have any future plans for, for more games? Like uh, a murder mystery where you need actors to be, like, you know, <laughs> stubborn. You interview stubborn. NPCs. <laughs> stubborn NPCs. I could be a stubborn. Um, yeah, gosh. So, uh, I mean, maybe we'll just have to make one. Actually... Um, there's a PI out of, because of our podcast, the investigation game podcast, I interview private investigators and investigators from all over the world. That sounds cool. <laughs> it's really fun. We talk about really just a, a whole variety of investigations. So, so not just accounting or forensic yeah. investigation, but all sorts of private. And wow. That's yeah. neat. I know we had, um, I had somebody a few weeks ago talk about death investigations, DUI investigations. Uh, I'm trying to think of what's coming up, but anyway, Colombo. <laughs> um, but there was this uh, PI that was like, Hey, whenever we can go back to in-person, would you want to build a game? That's kind of like an escape room, but oh. like, you know, do this. I'm like, Oh, okay. We'll think about it. <laughs> so maybe what, um, by the way, yes, I've I've started listening to your podcast. I'm also very happy you're here because every time I mention forensic accounting to Errol, he's like, "What spreadsheets?" And and it's like, no, not just. And well, to like, be fair, <laughs> I only do that to bug you because yeah, you know true. I love spreadsheets. Yes, to you be do honest. love spreadsheets. Yeah, so. <laughs> it's like it's not just that, um, but even that those are fun. Shut up. Yeah, that's exciting. That would be really exciting to see. I, I do enjoy like there were. One of the things I like about it that also I feel has an overlap is just the number of things you could investigate. Like it's like you said, it's not necessarily just financial records. It's interviews. It's like documents, emails between people, texts between people. And mm -hmm. it's it really is like um it really feels like a game sometimes. And, Even like revision yeah. history. Oh, that'd be kind of yeah. fun. You have to go back into the revision history, see what they changed. Yeah, yeah those are fun. good cases. Those are those are fun when there's an audit trail or revision history. Yeah, those are good. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I'm curious, actually. What, what are some of your favorite either types of escape rooms or escape rooms that you've done that, that really excite oh, yeah. you? Okay, so I did think about this ahead of time. So I, I'm in between like 20 and 30 escape rooms, nice. somewhere in there. I'm probably closer to 30. Um, and I do take my uh, escape rates like seriously. <laughs> do you have a spreadsheet for that? Like, <laughs> I was wishing I had started one. Like, because, you know, I just kept getting like hooked and stuff. But um, I have not gotten out of three. So like, and that's one good, of them I was like... Right? 
One was the very first one I did because I didn't know how they work. Second was the um, one that is one of my favorites and I actually didn't get out of it. It's in like the Dallas Fort Worth area. Okay. The props are incredible. The puzzles were incredible. They were all different, but it was a room made for about 10 people. And my mom, it was my mom, my dad and me. And then it was going to be two of their friends and then their friends bailed. So then the three of us did the room and like my dad had never done one before. I don't think my mom had done one. Anyway, we did not get out, but it was by far like the best. And then the third one I didn't escape from was the one that I emailed the owner about, which we won't mention which that one that one was, but um, I love the one in Dallas. And then I did one in Portland. Um, mm-hmm. That was really great. Uh, I can't remember. They kind of all run together, um, but I did that one with, a group of women business owners. It was like a trip that we took and I convinced them we should go do an escape room. And, uh, oh man, the people who built this room, I guess they did haunted houses. So they're just everything, the way it was programmed, the puzzles, it was great. Mm -hmm. And then I've done a really good one in Boston. So those are probably my top three. Which one in Boston? See, this is why I need a spreadsheet. (laughs) (laughs) The one in Boston I may have done. That's why I'm kind of interested to know. Um, it's not escape the room. It's like one of those that they have lots of locations, like kind of not a franchise, but kind of like that uh, escape in 60 or something like that. Oh, right, right, right. Is it um, one of those? Oh my goodness. I completely it blanked on me. Is it the one where it's where, oh, how come, is it in Foxborough? Why did I forget what the name mm-hmm. is? You know, this is the anyway. Sorry, we won't continue. There are, there are a lot. In, there are quite a few in Boston. I did this yeah. one like three years ago, two or three years ago. Th- those are probably my favorite. I apologize to any Tulsans listening to this that it didn't make my top <laughs> list. <laughs> we don't have very many, so I've no done worries. Of them. <laughs> you know, you're very fortunate because you went on a work trip and you were able to convince your workmates to do an escape room. I've heard horror stories of, I went on a work trip and nobody wanted to do anything with me. <laughs> oh, no. No, I, I try to, if we try, I don't get to travel a whole lot right now, but, or even prior to COVID, but um, anytime I go somewhere, I try to do one. Nice. Just like seeing what other places have. We were actually trying to plan a trip just before COVID um, where we were going to go to Montreal. And uh, I was going to do a whole bunch there. Oh, yeah. They got some good ones, too. Um, How far are you from us? (laughs) A long way. Oh, a long way. Oh, okay. Yeah, this is just me not knowing how far anything is because you said you were in Oklahoma. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. We won't sing at you. You probably hate it when people do that. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) She's not going to deny it. There's no, (laughs) please don't. There are no elephants in Oklahoma (laughs) to compare any sort of vegetation. Anyway. Okie dokie then. Um, I did have a question. So for anybody who's interested in playing the game, uh, especially if they're not an accountant, uh, what advice would you give them going into, say, something like the cash flow fiasco? If you just play on your own, there's no time constraint. You know, I I challenge people, try to do this in this long, but uh, to just really kind of hone in, like really to create an efficient investigation. But I think if you've never done it before, just take your time because all the evidence is there. And like I said, just using logic to work your way through it. 
I just really think a lot of people can do it because we do explain some different uh, kind of industry specific things and we do it through video. And um, so I, I, I think using logic and if you're not afraid of like looking at your bank account, you can do this. Yeah. <laughs> There, there was, there was the one concept because I understand cash flow, but the industry that you cover in that game is one I'm like never, ever, ever, ever dealt with. So yeah. that was good to have a little explainer video <laughs> to tell me like, here's how this industry works. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. And it's also set up where you know if you kind of get down the path and you want to go back, you can totally go back and exactly and or see how it applies. So. Yeah. Yeah. And if you are an accountant and you need, and uh, you want to do a, a, like a corporate thing, this, this could be done for CPE credits too, yes. which is fantastic. So why not yeah. get your work to get them to play it? <laughs> we, uh, we actually are now doing case of the man cave digitally, uh, virtually, but you have a room host. Like, right. so if you've done any of the virtual escape rooms, like how they'll have a room host in breakout rooms. That's how we're doing that now. And so kind of help to navigate the more difficult game. But yeah, so that yeah. one we don't have available to play on your own. But yeah, for groups, that one's, that one's really fun. And that sounds a bit more exciting than listening to a webinar and then making sure you're there the whole time to answer all the, all the polls. <laughs> all questions. Isn't that, a, isn't that another way to get CPE credits? You have to go yeah. to these webinars and then you have to, and it's funny because I have hosted some of those webinars before in my, in my work life and it's, you can see all the questions. When's the next poll? It's like, oh, for pity's sake. <laughs> <laughs> We almost done. When's the next poll? I need to answer this poll. Okay. I know. We actually took um, Cash Flow Fiasco, the game, and we made a an interactive presentation where you get to work the case, and it's different. It's mm -hmm. different from the game, but the same story. And but you work it like with me instead. So if you've got a group that love games, and uh, but we made it where all of the polls actually like answer questions about the case. So, <laughs> But yeah, gets to pay attention. You don't get to just click, yep, I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> then you can see, wow, everybody is wrong again. <laughs> Why you're failing forensic accounting. Yeah. Well, we have seen that and it's kind of sad. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you so much. I'm just taking a look at the time here. Look how good I've been. You've been I've been very really good. good. I had to like hold back. Yeah. Oh no. Because <laughs> I know that you have to go soon. We only have four minutes left. <laughs> well, and and one of the reasons I wanted to to get you on the podcast as well is because I love seeing the you know how escape rooms and you know real world industries can influence each other and how you know, you can learn about different things through gaming. So this was very exciting to me also, and just personal bias. Obviously I'm in forensic accounting and fraud. So it thrilled me to no end that there was a game out there that covers it. So if people would like to go either check out your uh, game or your podcast or hire you for the fraud that they're experiencing right now, where can they go? Um, everything is hosted at workmanforensics.com. Uh, if you're interested in just the There's game, so, yeah, that's yep. a, the ACFE. Here we go. Oh, that's something else. Sorry. Did I go to the wrong place? Just, um, if you just go to investigation or workman forensics. Yeah, there you go. 
investigationgame.com. Oh. That uh, gives you all the information about our games. Oh, this uh, is a much better website. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think that was from like an event we did earlier this year. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, yeah, there's videos on what they look like and how people feel about the games. And it's really fun. Ooh. I mean, I'm biased. I keep saying that over and over that it's really fun, but <laughs> it is. There's nothing like it. <laughs> There's yes. nothing like it. Well, it's yeah. probably true. There probably aren't very many other forensic accounting escape room games. So you might no. be the first. Or games, period. Yeah, uh, really. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think there's an untapped market there, you know. <laughs> but I hope it inspires like others because I want to play some games that I didn't build, you know. Yeah, no, that oh. totally makes sense. Absolutely, you can make one man pants, and if you need an NPC, hard to. It'll just be you <laughs> in a room, and just like this man <laughs> might have committed fraud. Try to get him to talk about it. There you go. Hey, you know what, though, in a lot of our games, we do have videos of subjects or people being interviewed. So I'll keep you on the list. I always, oh, yeah. I'll be in. I'll <laughs> be in. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. You too, Amanda. <laughs> so <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, anyway, thank you very much once again. And uh, so we had the website up there. We will also post links in the descriptions to where you can go check it out. Uh, thank you again, Leah. And I will talk us out. Room Escape Divas is brought to you by Inverse Genius. You can go to inversegenius.com to find other fun podcasts just like this one. You can also email us at roomescapedivas at gmail.com. We love getting emails. If you are on... The reference was to the musical Oklahoma, by the way, when I talked about... Oh, was it, sir? Thank you. And vegetation, comparing Uh vegetation to an elephant's eye, if you're confused. I I got the Oklahoma reference that it's a musical. I just didn't know what the elephant reference was. Corn is as high as an elephant's eye. Oh, what a beautiful morning. Okay, so you're not singing it, but you're still talking the lyrics. But I was trying to reference it in a subtle way, but you looked at me like I was a madman. (laughs) Yeah, like, I don't know lyrics okay um you can also go to facebook click the like button on the room escape divas facebook page we do have community meetups every friday night 6 30 p.m eastern standard they probably won't stop for a very probably won't stop because this pandemic is not stopping so there we go uh and if you are on twitter you could use the hashtag redivas thanks guys bye-bye